I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 254 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that is coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, tonight is Thursday Night Football, and it's time to kick off a new week of the NFL. And I have an amazing guest for you guys, legendary NFL wide receiver Tim Brown, who played his college ball at the University of Notre Dame, where he won the Heisman Trophy. He went on to be the sixth overall pick in the 1988 NFL Draft. He was, of course, enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as an L.A. Oakland Raider back in 2015. Tim Brown will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. All right, and Tim Brown was the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft. He is also the sixth NFL Hall of Fame father to be joining me here on the podcast. The other ones being Deion Sanders, Kurt Warner, Andre Reid, Willie Rofe, and Morton Anderson. If you missed out on any of those, please scroll back through the archives and check them out. And next week, I will be welcoming my seventh NFL Hall of Fame father to the podcast here. He is one of the greatest players in the history of the game, and in my opinion, nobody ever hit harder than him. I am, of course, speaking about four-time Super Bowl champion Ronnie Lott. The San Francisco 49er legend will be here with me next week, so be sure to lock it in for that. Okay, so next week is going to be off the charts. I've dropped three of the five dads who will be joining me here, including the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort, Special Operations Sniper, Nick Irving, and NFL Hall of Famer, Ronnie Lott. Be sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out who the other two dads will be that are joining me. And please help me to spread the word about the podcast here. I can't say thank you enough for all of your support. It has been overwhelming. If you have a second, please consider hitting me with a rating or a review over on iTunes. It does go a long way to help me out here. And please... Share this podcast with every father that's in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with NFL Hall of Famer Tim Brown. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, the NFL season is now upon us, and the Major League Baseball season is winding down. There is no better time to take your kids to the ball game, and First Class Fatherhood listeners can save $20 off their tickets on SeatGeek.com by using my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS. Maybe you want to see a concert or a Broadway show. Save 20 bucks on the tickets on SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code FIRSTCLASS. It's a slam dunk deal, dads. SeatGeek.com, promo code FIRSTCLASS. Fatherhood is the best seat in the house. All right, joining me now is a first-class father. He won the Heisman Trophy at Notre Dame. He went on to have a legendary NFL career in which he was selected to nine Pro Bowls. He finished his career with over 1,000 receptions and 100 touchdowns. He is enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it is an honor for me to say, Tim Brown, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much. Good to be here. All right, let's start here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? I have four kids. Um, I have a 30-year-old son um, and a uh, 21-year-old daughter and uh, 16-year-old boy-girl twins. Wow, okay, very cool. Yeah, I have four children myself. My oldest is 13, so i got a ways to go yet. Uh, what, what type of uh, sports or activities were they all into? Um, you know, my oldest son really never wanted to do sports because sports was the thing that sort of kept dad away. 
he, uh, you know, he was a bookworm, he was a biology major in college. He's a nurse now at Children's Hospital here in Dallas. Um, so, you know, he was really not into the sports or whatever. Uh, the other three were heavily into sports. My daughter played um, volleyball and ran track. And the twins, um, you know, cheerleading and uh, the girl anyway. The boy played football, basketball, red track. And uh, now he's sort of just concentrating on track a little bit. But I think it's senior year next year. He'll get back out there doing a whole bunch of sports. So so we uh, we got our hands full, no doubt about that. Yeah, very cool. Do you ever get involved with coaching, or is that too much of a distraction and you just enjoy it from the sidelines? Yeah, I, I did. I coached my son's uh, eighth-grade football team uh, two or three years ago. Uh, quite frankly, it's probably the best time of my life, man, having the opportunity to coach kids, have a successful football season, and to be there with your son uh, was um, was a highlight for me, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. But, yeah, you know, the girls not so much. I don't mess around with those girls' sports. But, uh, but yeah, with my son, I certainly got out there. Yeah, awesome. All right, Tim, if you could just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background. Yeah, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, the fifth of the six kids. I was a baby in the family for for about 17 years. My parents were trying to admit in their 40s that they wanted to have another kid. Uh, but uh, so I grew up in a very, very close family. And uh, my mom uh, was a missionary in the church, man, so we... Wednesday and Friday nights. I wasn't playing football on Friday nights. I was always in church. Uh, of course, all day Sunday. We had Sunday morning service, Sunday afternoon service, and a Sunday evening service. Uh, so that's just how I grew up. Uh, but uh, so, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, even though my parents, um, you know, they, they were married for 52 years until my dad passed away back in 2011. Um you know, I think uh, their main thing for us was for them, for us to get an education. You know, I mean, they really didn't have that opportunity growing up. And uh, so for us, that's all they talked about. So, you know, so a lot of my decisions over the years have been based on, you know, uh, not trying to be better than what my dad, but, you know, trying to go further than he was able to go, you know. And certainly when the opportunity to go to the University of Notre came came around, um, it was, you know, we could care less about football. All we thought about was education. And, um, you know, when I walked out the door to go to college, <laughs> I remember my parents said, boy, there's no future in football for you. You go out there and get them grades and get them back in and get to work. <laughs> so, uh, but with that, that mindset, I took off uh, going to the uh, University of Notre Dame, and I think that mindset sort of uh, – Played well for me because I wasn't worried about mistakes I made on the football field, or even when I played great, uh, my focus was was squarely on on graduating on time and getting back home. And um, and all that changed when the great Lou Holtz came in. And uh, when he came in, he basically told me that he thought I could be the best player in the country. And because of my attitude towards football at that time, you know, I basically told him, "You got the wrong guy, coach." You know, I mean. I'm here to get an education. I'm going to go back home, marry my high school sweetheart, be a deacon in church, have six kids, move on with my life, you know. And uh, he said, well, you may do all that, but you're going to be the best player in the country, too. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, two years later, I was the best player in the country. And 
and you win the Heisman Trophy, you get drafted first round of the league, and you know you play 17 years in the NFL, uh, end up in the Hall of Fame. Uh, certainly didn't see that when I left in 1984 heading to University of Notre Dame, but uh, I think when you have good intentions, man, and when you try and do the right thing, great things happen. And uh, so yeah, that's uh, as quick a background as I can give you. Yeah, what an incredible journey that you had, Tim. And I love the fact that you keep God first in your life. I do the same myself here. And I feel like the combination of God being removed from so much of our schools and society combined with the fatherless crisis that we have really has a lot of devastating results in our country. Are you still involved with um, mentoring teens and kids with the athletes and entertainers or kids? Yeah, oh, most definitely. I'm actually wearing an FBA shirt right now as I'm driving down the road. Uh, um, I do a lot of a lot of stuff with FCA around Dallas and uh, certainly around the country. You know, I, I have a mentor mini camp up in California that I do every year. I've been doing it for over 20 years now. Um, so we have certainly tried to keep our nose to that grind, no doubt about it, uh, because you know, anytime there's an opportunity to speak to some kids, uh, you want to uh, you want to get that out there, no doubt. So, uh, but for me, it is probably you know, the most important thing I can do at this particular point because I don't believe that God put me here and, you know, gave me the opportunity to be a Hall of Famer and all this other stuff for me to just sit on it and to uh, gloat about it because, you know, I got this jacket, I got this ring, I got all this stuff that could easily be gone tomorrow. Uh, but uh, my name may be on the record, but, you know, all that, that tangible stuff can be gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I certainly believe that he put me here to be able to let folks know, men, women, boys, and girls, that, um, you know, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm here for you. When I give you all this talent, I need you to turn it back and give it right back to me. And uh, whatever way you see fit to do that, I think, is what, what has to be done. Yeah, very well said. And I know that you didn't, you didn't play football as a high school freshman. I know your mom didn't want you to, and then you kind of snuck in there, I guess it was, your sophomore, sophomore year of school. Uh, and a lot of parents, they, they're on the fence about letting their kids play just because of all the different reports with the CTE stuff. Um, so so what, what's your opinion on, like, of young kids playing tackle football, and what's a good age, you think, for them to start? Well, you know, I, I actually started, um, I, I was playing, my mom just didn't know I was playing. She didn't find out I was playing until my, my sophomore year. Me and my dad had a little something going on. And, because, uh, you know, when you're in junior high school, you're basically practicing during the school hours. You're not practicing after school. And uh, freshman year, because I was in the marching band, she just thought that I was practicing marching band after school and before school. <laughs> um, and my sophomore year, you know, I had a couple good games early on, and, uh, was named sophomore sensation for the month of September, and all of her friends were calling there, telling her I was in a newspaper. She came to me thinking that I did something wrong, and uh, she was searching through all the bad parts of the newspaper looking for my name. And uh, finally, I told her, "Mom, you probably should check the sports page." And uh, there I was on the front page of the, the high school section of the uh, sports page, anyway. So that that. Uh, you know, an argument sort of ensued that uh, would hurt, hurt my dad, not with me. But I don't know what my dad said or did, but uh, he said or did the right thing. And and uh, she was all right with it for the most part. You know, always wanted me to, re, you know, to quit playing football. But, uh, you know, not to the point where she kept me from playing the game, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, Tim. Uh, 
And what what type of uh, what type of disciplinarian are you as a father? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, my father was a very strict disciplinarian. I mean, he was uh, not that he ran in and, and you know yelled or anything all the time, but he was just one of those men that when he spoke, there was no no cross talk, no back talk, no anything. That was that was the end of the conversation, whether you liked it or not. He may have walked out the house mumbling or walked away from him mumbling, but mumbling so low that he couldn't hear it because if he heard it, it was going to be a problem. Uh, but, um, you know, so, um, and I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with that because, you know, by the time I was 9, 10, 11 years old, you know, they didn't have to worry about me anymore. I was I was straight laced and I understood one thing. I remember the last weapon I got, my mom told me, all you have to do is do what we ask you to do and you'll never get in trouble. And if it's the wrong thing, then that that'll be on us. And I, you know, I try to apply that to to everything in my life. Uh, I guess my wife probably would like me to do a little bit more with her, but uh, uh, other than that, you know, with my coaches, <laughs> with my with my teachers in school, you know, um, I just did what they asked me to do, and uh, figuring that if I did that, then I couldn't I could never be wrong. And that sort of, you know, is the way that. Uh, so all that, all that being said, man, you know, uh, you know, these kids these days are so different, right? You know, it's hard to, you know, say a word and to have that be the last word sometimes. But um, so I will engage them in some conversations, but then, you know, uh, enough is enough. Uh, you know, it comes to a point where would you say, you know, what what's been said, or you know, when it's the final word, it's the final word, and you know, and I think they understand it about me. They understand that I am flexible a little bit, but at the same time, when I say that's it, that's it, you know, and uh, you just sort of move on. Yeah, very well said. And, and about how old were you, Tim, when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Uh, what did you say about that? You say how old was I what, when? Uh, uh, about how, how old were you when you first became a father, and then how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Um, well, you know, I didn't quite do things the way that, uh, I probably wanted to do it. I should have, should have done it, but, uh, um, yeah, I was, um, at 23, I was, uh, I was a father, and, um, uh, my, uh, college, uh, sweetheart, I guess you can call her, uh, even though I didn't think she was too much of a sweetheart, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, but, you know, my mom and dad knew that, that it was going to be problematic. I used to always say when I was young that I love kids and, you know, I wanted to be a father, and I used to tell them all the time, I want to have as many kids as I can afford, right? And so when I made the pros, uh, my mom was like, oh, Lord, worse. <laughs> <laughs> and then Taylor came, you know, she was really concerned, but, you know, we, we got that thing under control pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, having Taylor really did change me in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but I, I knew even at that, that age that whatever I was going to do, good, bad, or indifferent, was going to affect him in the future. And um, so I, I tried my best to to be the best person I can be. You know, I mean, playing football is playing football. You know, you can only, you know, you're going to have some good games, some bad games. But, um but certainly, I always knew that I can control what I did off the field. And, uh, you know, the older he got, especially when he got into, um, you know, uh, late 
late elementary school, fifth, sixth grade, where people really realized who his who his father was. Um, I realized how important it was for me um, to be uh, an upstanding citizen, so he wouldn't have to deal with nonsense that could possibly go on the school. Yeah, very cool, and that's important now too. Just with the fact that uh, social media uh, provides, you know, so much trouble for a lot of the teens, especially in high school right now, with all the different apps that are out there and different ways bullying takes place. Uh, and it's a big difference. You know, I didn't grow up with the technology uh, uh, just as you didn't. How do you kind of monitor or handle all the technology and stuff with your kids? Man, it's it's really tough. You know, it's really tough because. Um, you know, my wife and I talk about it all the time, you know, and sometimes when we go out to dinner, we make everybody put their phones in the middle of the table, you know what I mean, because otherwise there would be no conversation at all. <clears throat> or there'd be conversation, but you're talking to the tops of, of, of people's heads, you know. So, you know, so I think from that standpoint, man, it's uh, there's a time and place for everything. Uh, unfortunately, they think the time and place for, for phones is all the time, and, and, and every chance they can, they can they could possibly do it. So... Um, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that you have to be cognizant of, no doubt about it, and, 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 and make sure that they are also. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you know that it is a part of, of the world that we're in, and, you know, I, I don't know where I would be without my phone. So, you know, you can't, you know, take phones away and think people are going to be, are going to be, uh, you know, are going to be happy. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's so challenging, Tim, just because, I mean, everything that everybody does revolves around the phones, whether it's with work, emails. Uh, it, it, it's so difficult to lead by example. I find it for myself, and I'm trying to do that uh, as best I can, but it, it is quite a challenge. No doubt. Um, no doubt. Uh, all right, and, and you played four years at Notre Dame there, and I know a lot of guys come out early for the NFL draft, especially when they're as talented as you are. W were you ever tempted at all to come out early, or was the plan all the way, education, and go all four? Yeah, you know, back in those days, man, you know, you really, no one was really coming out early. I mean, that was, uh, uh, a Chris Carter that came out early because, you know, he got in a little situation where he had to come out. Uh, but other than that, you know, you really didn't have, uh, guys coming out early, you know, so, uh, I, I'm sort of glad that that was the case because, um, I don't know. I mean, if I come out early, uh, you know, I obviously don't want the eyes are healthy. You know what I mean? So even though my junior year was a lot better than my senior year, um, you know, but I, I would have left going to going to college, um, I mean, going to the pros without without a Heisman Trophy on the ball. So, um, so I think from that standpoint, man, you know, I, it, it was not something that was even on the table at that time as far as we were concerned. Um, you know, we had uh, had our eyes set on four years. And, and um, again, the only person I knew at that time who went out early was Chris Carter. I mean, Michael Irvin didn't come out early. Shannon Sharp didn't come out early. You know, no, all Andre Bruce, all those guys who wouldn't have drafted me were all four-year guys, you know. So uh, so I think from that standpoint, this wasn't something that was on the table. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of that has changed now. Uh, what, what about your plans? What kind of plans or goals do you have for yourself now for the future here, Tim? Um, you know, I, I am – you know, working every day, man, to 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 be more in ministry and and um, to to be able to do things on more of a full time basis. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm, I'm 
Uh, I have a lot of charity work going on. I have a lot of stuff that I'm doing uh, in the business world. So uh, God understand, God knows my heart, and uh, you know I'm certainly you know doing speaking engagements, and you know uh, I'm part of the, uh, the the team of uh, youth leaders at our church. So I'm certainly active there, and I'm uh, just trying to do as much as I can possibly do, man, to uh, um, to make sure the the big guy in the sky is, is happy with what's happening down here, you know. And you know, and uh, raising kids in that manner is not the easiest thing to do because sometimes you're not the coolest dad around, you know, because you're not going to get out on the dance floor and shake your butt and drink alcohol and do all this other stuff. And sometimes your kids don't understand that, but. Um, but I know they will one day, and uh, my oldest son does. He gets it. He understands because uh, he may have saw a little bit of dad when dad before dad totally committed. You know what I mean? So, uh, so I think from that standpoint, man, it's a uh, uh, it's an incredible life. Wouldn't give it up for anything. And uh, the trials and tribulations may be what they are, but uh, we know at the end we're going to be victorious. So that's that's the name of the game. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, and I love how you began your NFL uh, Hall of Fame speech there by saying you wake your kids up each morning saying, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And uh, what, what was that experience like for you, Tim, to have your kid there for the Hall of Fame induction? Uh, man, it was uh, it was amazing, you know, because, um, you know, I know for them it was a life-altering moment. It was, you know, a big change for them. You know, all of a sudden, you know, that is, you know, I mean, after, you know, they didn't get to see most, most of my football career. You know, my oldest kids that, I mean, Tremont may have gotten a couple of years in. Uh, Kayla got, uh, you know, got the most of it. The younger kids didn't get anything for the most part. They were born, but, uh, you know, they were one year old, two years old when I retired. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was tough for them, you know, but, um, you know, my son said something to me. Uh, when I, when they, when Dave Baker had came and knocked on the door and told me that I was going to be an NFL Hall of Fame, um, and I, I immediately called somebody back here in Dallas and, uh, and my son was just sitting there with me while I talked on the bed, talked on the phone, we were sitting on the bed and he heard me say, um, yeah, this probably should have happened a few years earlier. And, uh, and I laughed about it or whatever. And uh, he waited till I got off the phone, man. And when I got off the phone, he said to me, hey, Dad, he was 12 years old at the time. He said, hey, Dad, think about this. If this would have happened six years ago, if you'd been a first ballot Hall of Famer, his twin sister, he called him Marmar. He said, Marmar and I would not have understood it. But he said, now we do. We get it today. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I felt like such a hill, you know, because here I am, you know, this should have happened a couple of years ago, and this and that, and here's my 12-year-old son that if this would have happened six years ago, we would have had no understanding of what was going on, but today we do, and uh, yeah. so, you know, I, I think, you know, that's how much it means to them, and obviously it makes it, it mean uh, as much to me, or even more, uh, knowing that they they now have recognition of what exactly has happened uh, in, in our lives. So. Yeah, that's incredible, Tim. All right, last thing I'm going to hit you with here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I love to ask all the dads I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Oh, man, you know, enjoy it. Uh, dive in 100%, change the diapers, you know, clean up the poop, you know, 
uh, clean up the spit up, do it all, man, because, uh, you know, when you're 53 and your kids are 16, you spend alone for that moment where you can, uh, you know, clean them up, put a bottle in their mouth, and, and set, them, <laughs> set them in their bed <laughs> and not have to worry about them for a couple, three or four hours. Uh, one day that day will end, man, but just enjoy it, man. Um, you know, uh, fatherhood is a, is a special, special thing. And, uh, mothers are great. Mothers are awesome. You know, but, uh, you know, when fathers connect with their kids, man, it, it's really, really a special, special deal. And it gives kids so much more, so much confidence in themselves when, you know, when they hear certain things about fathers. And I don't know what it is, but, uh, I know it's a proven fact. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I am no way trying to, you know, uh, downgrade moms because, uh, I know my mom was, was and is my inspiration to keep doing what I'm doing, uh, on a day to day basis. So, uh, so I, I think, man, but being a father is very special and, um, you know, but dive in 100%, do all you can possibly do, um, even though stuff you really don't want to do. Do that because those are the things you're going to remember about your kids, and uh, it just makes for uh, great, great memories, man, as you move on and move on in life. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Tim Brown, you're a first class father all the way, and thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate you, man. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Tim Brown for giving me a few minutes of his time here. How cool was that? Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, and drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it in. Tomorrow we have a Frogman Friday edition of the podcast here. Former Navy SEAL Dan Mulroy, who was hit with cancer and was able to overcome. He'll be joining me here tomorrow. You don't want to miss out on that one. And lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for all of the action that is going to be coming at you next week. I got five bangers coming your way. Find out all the guests by checking out my Instagram account. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Your half-truths and tales, as tall as the trees, have a soft feeling.